Welcome to the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Look to the folks at Farm Bureau Health Plans when you need someone who understands the X's and O's of healthcare coverage. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. I'm Amy Wells, and I'm so happy you're here with us. Coach Mac, Dave McGinnis, is also here. Mac, we have a lot to talk about. The Titans are 2-2, two and two, coming off of a game in New York that didn't really go the way the Tennessee Titans wanted it to go. But before we talk about all of this, I have a personal vendetta. I have an issue, and we need to discuss it right off the top. Any personal vendetta of yours is a personal vendetta of mine, so let's go. Well, that's good because this has to do with you. You need to stop peer pressuring me into watching the Squid Game. No, well, This has been happening for a week at least, maybe two. And I am consistently hearing about the Squid Game. You send me articles. You send me quotes. I don't think I'm going to watch the show, Mac. I think it's too violent. Well, first of all, I'm not pressuring you at all. All I'm trying to do is make you aware it's a top show in 90 countries. 90 countries. I would like for you to just be up on what's going on in the world. And Squid Game, I think you would, I think, and I'm not saying enjoy it because it's not something that you enjoy, but you need to experience it. So I will continue to send you information and i will continue to keep you posted i will never pressure you into anything but squid game because everybody in the world it's not everybody in the county you live in it's everybody in the world is watching this show so if you want to sit in the closet and not watch squid game go ahead if you are unfamiliar with the show let me give you a brief description from a person who's never seen it it is a korean show south korean south korean show that is about people who owe a lot of money need some debt repaid right correct okay and they are given the opportunity to win a big sum of money by playing children's games problem is if you lose the game you die well i mean that makes it worthwhile so you try to win Well, yeah, I mean, the stakes are pretty high. I am interested in the premise of the show. I am not interested in, in my mind, what is a very graphically violent show. I don't do gore. Well, it's it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for a dystopian society, the the separation between haves and have-nots. It's done really well. And as I say, it's subtitled. It's also dubbed 90 Countries. Number one, and 90. you're into it. Yeah, sure I am because you know I'm I'm very well rounded. I'm I'm I I am quite the Renaissance man. I mean I, I I've got I've, I'm involved in a lot of things and now I'm involved in Squid Game. When I when I'm not watching tape right now at the present time, I'm watching Squid. <laughs> tape or Squid? I will say probably ninety percent of my television recommendations come from you. Yes, and I'm not I'm not leading you astray here and I'm not trying to have you watch gore. I mean, did you watch did you watch Ozark? Yes. Okay, well watch Squid. There's not a lot of gore in Ozark, is there? Are you serious? Well I mean a couple people get did you, shot. Did you but... watch the same one? Well We're not we're not yeah. we are not promoting violence on the Titans Amy Coach Mac. Not at all. No, no, no. I, and I'm it comes just, with some shows, I understand. I'm and just, I'm good at covering my eyes. I'm just trying to let you know what's happening, not where you live. Everywhere. Internationally. It's a worldwide phenomenon. Internationally. Okay. Okay. All right. Well we're gonna move on. And plus on. I get no residuals off of you watching it. So just it's purely I feel like you might. Well, I don't. Okay. Well, uh, maybe I feel a little more enticed than I did when I started this and I was writing make sure to tell Mac to 
let it die. But now I'm kind of intrigued. Okay. Well, that, and that was the whole purpose. All right. Well, we'll circle back to this because we do actually have to talk some football, but I'm glad we got that out of the way because this really has been a two-week-long experience I told you. For it, me. I watched tape, squid. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about the tape you've been watching. Yes, then. let's go. Um, we have a lot to talk about because the Tennessee Titans had a frustrating game a week ago in New York. They're hoping to have a less frustrating, more successful week in Jacksonville when they take on the Jags this Sunday. But they've got some challenges to overcome. So this week, you've been to practice a lot. What has stuck out to you? Are there things that you have noticed, liked, disliked? Well, I mean, in the National Football League, whether it goes good or bad for you, you've got to be able to move on. But you have to have first a nameless, rankless debriefing you know, the Monday after and, and even the Tuesday and be honest with what happened, good and bad. And so, you know, the Titans were their own worst enemy, you know, up in MetLife Stadium. And so those types of things that, that really can't help you win any football game. You can't give up explosive plays. You've got to score touchdowns in the red zone. You can't have uh, penalties. Uh, all of those things that, that really lend to you not being successful in a game, the Titans did to themselves up there in MetLife. And so, you, you know, what happened, happened. And so, yes, I mean, what you have to be able to do, and then you have to be able to, the challenges that you talk about is they, you have to either get the dis- disappointment of the game or the euphoria of the game before behind you and get ready for the next week. But they've got another challenge because, you know, their first injury report came out with 21 legitimate people on it. I've been doing this for quite a while, and I've never seen a legitimate injury report like that. I've seen some made-up injury reports, you know, where people got reported uh, to the league because they weren't really disclosing, so they started putting everybody on there. Uh, and to me, this is something that they're going to have to overcome early in the season. And what what happens is every team goes through this. It's just a matter of to when you're going through it and to what positions are affected. And right now, you know, we, we've been we've been affected in the in the in the offensive line. We've been affected in the defensive front, and so and at the receiver position. And so those things have to work themselves through. And here's the thing. You want your play, best players to play, but you don't want your players to play when they're injured. You can't do that. This is a this is an 18-week season, 17 weeks live and in color, and so it's just it's something. It's frustrating. It's frustrating for the players. It's frustrating for the coaches. It's frustrating for the fans. But you have to get them. You have to get your players well. I went through it a lot in my 31-year coaching career in the National Football League, and you just have to have patience with it. But all that being said, nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody cares. I it's mean, this, this is this is a no mercy league. It really is. And as much as we as much as we hate it, and we're working through it here, the thirty one other clubs, and especially the clubs in our division, they're loving it. All right, because you you, you take advantage you take advantage of anything you can in the National Football League. And when another team is hurt, you go after them. And so we've got to get them back. How do you not let all of those injuries where? You're 100% right. It cannot become an excuse. You still have to go out and perform, and the expectation is you win the game. But how do you not let those injuries keep you from being productive during the week when so many people that you are hoping will contribute on Sunday can't go? Well, first of all, hope is not a hope is 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 not doesn't enter into it because hope is that is not something that you you base anything on. 
and what you base it on is where they are. But at the same time, you got to get p- other people ready to play. That's just the way it is in, in the National Football League. So you're not hoping for anything. You're preparing. You're preparing the people that, that, that can play, and then you're taking an evaluation throughout the week as to where the other players are that happen to start on the, on the, on the injury list, where they are going to be on Saturday. That's what you're working towards. And you're at practice. You see it. And they've got some guys back practicing, still has some guys that aren't practicing. But at the, at the end of it all, you've got to put together the healthiest team that you can and go out there and win the game. That's all that's going to matter on Sunday is TIAA CREF or whatever, whatever this field is named down there in Jacksonville. You've got to, you've got to go win the game. TIAA Bank Field. Okay, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You said earlier that you have had experiences with injuries a lot throughout your career. You've been coaching for a long time. Have you ever had a lot of meaningful injuries this early in the season? One of the things that is so interesting about this is it's October. It's week five, and this is a lot of injuries to key players. I've never, yes, I have, but I've never had that many in one position as to what we're going through with the offensive line and what we're going through at the receiver position. I've never had that many hit at once with both, with the aggregate of two positions at once like that, which make a big difference because you've got a limited number of players. I mean, that's just the truth in the National Football League. You know, people think, you know, because you've got your active roster and then, then plus now you've got the extended practice squad. Well, Still, it's a limited number of players. And so I've never experienced two groups at the same time having a number of injuries like we have. Now, you mentioned earlier that when you're not watching Squid Game, you are watching tape on the Jacksonville Jags. And you came in the other day and you said, I quote, I've watched the Jags so much I can't look at them anymore, which I'm assuming means you grinds a lot of tape. So my question to you is, what have you seen? What have you noticed out of the Jags? First of all, they're, 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 a, they're a big physical defense. They're big and they're physical defensively. And Joe Cullen, their defensive coordinator, comes from a Baltimore background. We're going to see a five-man up front with an eight-man line, just like we see against everybody. But they're big people. They've got big people, you know, physically big people in that. And then offensively, you know, I'm going to go jump right to that. We played a rookie quarterback last week that was in the top five pick. This one was the number one pick for a reason. He's better than any of them. He's better than any of them. I mean, he's he's a he's he is a generational talent, and what he's done, and I've watched him. The thing that's impressed me about Trevor Lawrence the most, Amy, is the fact that he is a very very calm player. He's a calm player. Now, there's things he doesn't know yet. There's things he hasn't seen yet. And the other thing is, is, is Brian Schottenheimer is on the staff. He's not the coordinator, but he's calling the plays. He's calling the plays because I watch the TV copies. I see who has the microphone going. So he's calling the plays, but he's using him in, in, in true RPO, run-pass option, as a legitimate runner. And so what that makes you do defensively, you have to plus one. And plus one means you have to dedicate somebody to him on the RPOs. And so this is going to be a big challenge. He's got an arm to make all the throws. And at 6'6", he's very mobile. This is an athletic dude. He's the number one pick for a reason. And, you know, when we did the draft, we all agreed. And, I mean, it it wasn't any great revelation. It's not like we were super scouts. When you looked at him, he was the best. And he is the best. And so this is going to be a a big challenge. And – just speaking honestly, the, the, the fact that we lost a ball game on the road to the Jets gives Jacksonville some confidence. So we've got to go down there and take that confidence away from them with our performance. 
For Trevor Lawrence getting more comfortable, that's got to be a problem for the Titans, especially because as of late, they've had a hard time controlling some of those big yardage explosive plays. Yeah, well, they and, and and he can make the explosives from the cylinder, but the 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 biggest issue that that the Titans have had defensively with explosives, which are fifteen yard passes or 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 twenty yard passes or more, is the off schedule play, letting the quarterback escape to his hand and then being able to put up being able to put up the combat catch or the fifty fifty ball way downfield. Got to get much better at plastering downfield, and also the Titans have done a nice job of pressuring the quarterback. We need to do a better job of getting them on the ground, and that and that that has happened. So that's something they've worked on in practice this week. It's something that's very much in the in the forefront of their mind. But explosive plays, Amy, they they're the equalizer in National Football League games because if you've got a lesser team but you are able to to accomplish some explosives offensively, that equalizes the fact that you maybe not be as good over an extended period of time. Are there one or two things that you've noticed the Titans really need to make sure they do and do well to make sure that they are giving themselves a chance to win this game? Protect the quarterback. We've got to protect our quarterback. Our quarterback's being sacked and hit too many times, and, and, and everybody's aware of that. They know that. It's also on film. So that I know that Jacksonville right now is working on four, five, and six-man pressures. They're going to they're gonna challenge the protection package. Got to protect our quarterback better. And then we've got to eliminate explosives. And those two things within themselves uh, – and the third thing that I would put in there, you asked me for two, I'm giving you three, cool. is you've got to score when you get to the red zone. You've got to score touchdowns in the red zone. You can't just kick field goals once you get in the red zone. It's too hard to move down into your opponent's red zone. You've got to score touchdowns down there. I like all of those keys. And here's a bright spot, Coach Mack, because I'm feeling kind of nice. 22. Derek Henry, King Henry, as he is referred to around here, has been one of the bright spots on this Titans team all season. And this week he's going back home. He is from Yulee, Florida, which is just 24.3 miles north of Jacksonville, according to Google Maps. I looked it up. So let's talk a little bit about Derrick Henry and some of his king-worthy stats this year. In the start to the 2021 season, Derrick Henry leads the NFL in rushing with 113 carries for 510 yards. Just for reference... Nick Chubb is number two on that list. He is the second most rushing yards in the 2021 season, and he is 148 yards behind Derrick Henry. That's like a whole football game's worth of yardage, if not more. That could be two football games worth of yardage behind Derrick Henry, and they have played the same amount of games. Is that surprising to you, Coach Mack? No, Derrick Henry's having a phenomenal year. He, he's really a phenomenal back. He really is. And and the other the, the the other caveat to all of that that you're saying, everybody knows he's getting it. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows he's getting it. And I, and I can relate to that. When I first came into the league with the Chicago Bears, we had Walter Payton. Everybody knew he was going to get it. And guess what he did? He did just what Derrick Henry's doing. He made yards. And so this is a this is a special talent that we're watching. It's also a special accomplishment. And we're going to see, as I said earlier in this broadcast, you're going to see a stacked eight man front. That's just what we get when he but but what he is doing and the ability that he has not only running it but but he's he's got he's caught some passes too that have been very very big the thing about it is and and you know and and 
I do a lot of radio shows, and sometimes I hear, you know, well, he needs to stay in there longer. He's in there a long time, and he he needs he needs to take a a, a rest every now and then because the load that he is carrying right now it's significant. It's significant, and uh, what we are witnessing right now, if if you don't know what I'm going to tell you, it's something special. Well, he is on track to win his third straight rushing title, which is just incredible, and would also make him. Only the fifth player in NFL history to win three straight rushing titles. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. But I, as I said, he's doing something special. Tell me about it. Well, there you go. That's He could be the fifth one if everything goes the way that we hope it does. And there's only four other guys that have done that. Steve Van Buren, Jim Brown, Earl Campbell, and Emmett Smith. All four of those are in? HOF, Hall of Fame. There you go. So that's pretty good company right there. We should also mention that Derrick Henry – has the top two rushing performances in the NFL in 2021. He had 182 yards in Seattle. He had 157 yards in New York. And nobody's doing it better right now. Yeah, well, a lot of times nicknames don't mean much. This nickname, King, means everything. Yeah. That's what he is. You know, honestly, when we first started calling him King, I was not into it because it felt like bad juju. I'm big on the juju, and it felt like – don't give him a name like that. It frightens me. He has lived up to it and surpassed it. I don't know what's higher than King, but, like, he's he's doing it for me. King's perfect. King is really good. And speaking of the King, so I had some time once in my life and decided to make the trip to Yuli to figure out what is in the water that is making Derrick Henry the beast that he is. You got to go just check it out sometimes. And with it only being 24.3 miles north of Jacksonville, have wheels will travel. So went to Yuli and had the opportunity to talk to his high school head coach, Bobby Ramsey. So he is very familiar with all things Derrick Henry. Had a lot of cool stories to tell me about Derrick Henry as a young tot who apparently still looked like a 20-something-year-old man when he was in middle school and high school. So here is my discussion with Bobby Ramsey. What do you remember? Well, I got hired at Yuli. I was 28 at the time. I got hired in the spring of 2008. And I mean, they had been 2-8 the year before. And 2-8 and eight makes it sound like they were better than actually were. I mean, it was, we were bad. And I was a, a lot of discouragement. You know, I don't know if I can do this. And, you know, one, one of my assistants who I brought up from the middle school, um, Pat Dunlap, used, he just kept saying, well, you know, when Derek gets up, he has kind of, he had kind of a gruff voice. And and I'm like, great, that's that's nice. There's some little seventh grader down there like, we're fixing to go 0-10 here, man. This is going to be bad. And um, in spring that year, I was leaving practice one day, and I was I was kind of beat down. And I look, the middle school was practicing, and they're all kind of lined up going across the field. And it's like, you know, 5'4", 5'6", 5'5", 5'6", 6". I mean, he was, he was about the same height he was in middle school as he is now. And I was like, that's Derek. Like, okay. Let me hang on here a little bit. It's one more year, and then he gets up here. I think we'll be all right. So, and then our middle school played the games where the high school plays. So, just getting to watch the game, it was comical. It, you know, it was almost kind of like, you know, people would run away from him um, as he, as they were going towards him. Like, no, nah, I'm going to kind of take a different path. And um, he actually fumbled a lot, which is funny to say because he they play with the youth football in middle school, and it really didn't it couldn't occupy his forearm. So and as he would sweat when he would run, it would kind of it would kind of fall out. So, but he would bend down, just pick it up, and and keep running. So it was um, 
it was definitely, it definitely, uh, you know, you knew this guy's, this guy's pretty special. So when he's playing and as you start working with him, was he relying on his size more than skill just because he was that much bigger than everybody else? You know, he's, he, we had to sort of push him to run like a big back. You know, he really, he really wanted to use his speed. Um, he wanted to get out in the, he, you know, he wanted to get out in space. He wanted to get out in the open field. He wanted to run. Um, you know, he had to kind of learn how to run as a bigger back and, uh, you know, kind of run behind his pads, follow the path of the play um, and, and start to appreciate the size that he had. And, um, you know, he was kind of, you know, he looked more kind of like an erector set in the ninth grade. He was tall. I mean, he was over 200 pounds, but he wasn't the thick, you know, Greek God kind of thing that he is now, you know. So um, as he, you know, the next year, if you watch his 10th grade versus his ninth grade film, there's definitely, you could, okay, you see a bigger, just a bigger person. And I think once he started to embrace that part of himself, um, you know, he would, the, the, the kind of, you know, dragging the pile runs started to come more often, but he was never really a guy that wanted to run people over. He's always a guy that wanted to run away from him. So, you know, I always tell people you don't run for that many yards in high school by just dragging guys five yards and doing it over again. So. So we've seen him do these workouts, especially during the off season. Right. He'll work out in Tuscaloosa and in Nashville and is doing these wild and crazy things. It sounds like working out has been a part of his kind of routine since high school. Yeah. When he came in in the ninth grade, um, you know, I'm not the running back guru or anything. I, I just felt like with, with Derek, I want to make sure he's got, you know, the character, the work ethic, the, um, the intangible stuff, his academics, all that stuff. Cause you know, I, I always kind of equated it to being like the guy that touches up the Mona Lisa, you know, you, you don't want to do too much to it and give it eyebrows and ruin the paintings to make it look nicer. So, um, felt like we got to get this, this guy especially has a chance to go far in this game. We need to make sure that we do right by him. And, uh, fortunately the, you know, the, the workout part of it, he just dove into head first. And, um, uh, you know, I remember he would, after practice his junior and senior year, he would go to the gym and, and lift for like, you know, it's kind of like stories you hear about, like Dennis Rodman, when he played for the Bulls, I'd work out like two hours after, like kind of crazy stuff like that. Um, but um, he took to the weight room real quick. He he um, he put up good numbers on a lot of his lifts. Um, and, you know, he one thing credit. We had some kids who came in the program around the time that he did that were just gym gym rats and their their dads were pushing them to be gym rats. And Derek, Derek got with those guys. So you know, a lot of his socializing was working out, honestly, like a lot of his, you know, what he did, whether it was going to different, um, you know, places to train with a certain guy for a day or two, but a lot of his social life was, was in the gym, you know? So you made the analogy of not messing up the Mona Lisa. When you're trying to coach a guy like that, what do you do to help foster him? But still, you know, you have a whole team of people to right. coach. Well, I always made sure that I was really hard on him in front of the team. And I really wanted to do that because number one, I wanted the guys to think, Hey, if he'll get on him, he'll get on anybody. But then also, you know, I knew he was going to end up, I didn't know he was going to end up in Alabama, but I knew he was going to end up some, you know, wherever he's going to go. Um, he needs to understand the accountability part of it. And he needs to know what it's like to have a lot demanded from him as being such a great player. Like, you know, more's more is going to be needed from you. And, um, so that part of it, it was something I was always really, uh, you know, was big with me. Um, and, and again, just kind of just being there for general guidance, making sure you're, you're around the right people, um, you know, and, 
and he had a village in Yuli that looked after him. So that was great. And, um, you know, fortunately that the people who were in his life outside his family, um, cared about him as a person. And, um, he, you know, he always wanted to be kind of, uh, protective of him to an extent because, you know, there's, there's always people with their hands out trying to get a piece of him, but, um, uh, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're made, that humility kind of stayed there. Like, Hey, you did well, but now you got to put that one to bed and, and go on and do the next one. And, um, don't, don't get content, uh, with, with success. And, um, a lot of guys, you know, have natural ability to do really well. And then, you know, they, they get to a certain point and they just become complacent. So, um, you know, he never, that never happened through high school. Fortunately, um, there were always team goals out there for him. And then, you know, a senior year, the individual goal that came along with the national record, which was you know crazy. Um, you know, and then he picked a college that was the right college, but not the easiest college, you know. So as a teammate, how did he help enhance the entire team beyond just being able to drag other students down yeah. the field? Well, you know, in the locker room, he really was just one of the guys, you know, um, he was bumming rides and going to McDonald's and stuff like that. But on the field, you know, he was the leader of the team in the ninth grade and the older guys just kind of deferred to him. And, um, you know, I, I would say it wasn't that that Derek. It wasn't as much Derek becoming the leader as it was them recognizing who he was and sort of saying, hey, man, here you go. And so that elevated his standing. So, um, you know, he was always the guy that would fire the team up for the game on the field. And, um, you know, he he set a great example with his work ethic. Um, you know, I told a story to a guy in the athletic. We tried to get him off one day his senior year um, after one game where he had had some stupid amount of carries. And he said, OK. And then like halfway through practice, I looked down there and he's out there in shells, you know, taking reps. So, um, you know, he always set the right example there. And, um, you know, I think really grew into a guy that um, was comfortable being out in front and not not many people are. I want to know about Derrick Henry's stiff arm. Obviously, as a Tennessee Titan, he's used it a bunch. And um, it's always that the coolest possible moment. Right, right. Is that something that he has done since high school, or is that part of the evolution of his game as he's grown, grown He's up? always had that. You know, um, that's always been a weapon for him. Um, you know, I, it's something that I think he realized, hey, I got, I got this long arm and I'm pretty strong, so I can keep guys away from me. Um, it, it almost looked like with some guys, I remember one run, it looked like he was putting the kid down to sleep at night because as he extended his hand, it kind of ended up on the top of the kid's helmet and the kid just kind of started going down and, you know, Derek's just kind of running like, <laughs> like he's putting him down to bed at night. Um, that's one that really stood out. Um, but it was, you know, it, it very violent. Um, you know, he knows it's, he knows it's something that's hard to contend with. Uh, he used it to his advantage. Um, and, um, you know, certainly strength wise, he, he can bring it. In high school, when you guys would roll up and Derek gets off the bus, what is the reaction of other teams? Um, you know, early in his career, it was, you know, it, it was too, it was, it was when he was ascending and, and developing his reputation. And then once everybody knew who he was, when he was ascending, it was like the rumor, the word started to get out there and, um, you know, huddle and stuff wasn't quite what it was now. So you couldn't see his highlights as easily. So people would, you know, 
they would want to see about this running back they heard. It was almost kind of like a, uh, I don't want to say a freak show thing, but like you, you were. It's like a legend. Like something coming to town you, you've heard about, you got to see it, you know. When it was his junior and senior year, it was like, man, I got to get there to see this guy because I know he's going to go off, you know. Um, and our, his senior year, I was telling a guy that, you know, we, we had to travel a lot because it was hard for us to get games. Um, and we played a game when we would leave town. There would be people that would come. I mean, I remember we played down in Orlando and um, there were these out. He hadn't quite committed to Alabama yet. And there were Alabama fans that were hanging on the railing that after the game, they said, hey, man, we're you know, we're not you know, we're just we're just Alabama fans. We just had to see this guy, um, you know, so you started to get that kind of thing where, you know, at first it was the curiosity of hearing about this this dude to now, you know, it's like must see TV. Like I got it. You know, if this guy's coming to town. I got to check this guy out. And, um, uh, you know, you would get people who, again, they they probably couldn't have found Yuli on a map if I paid him. But, you know, they were they, they knew who Derrick Henry was and they were going to they were going to check it out. So what makes you the most proud of Derrick Henry? Man, tough call. Um, I, you know, I, I think the way as a professional, I think what what a professional he's become, you know, um, you know, he's uh, he's respected as God given gifts um, and he's worked to make the most of them. Um, you know, he he's kind of I think that he's just kind of stayed who he is. He stayed the same guy. I think really just proud of of the man he's become and then he's, he's kept to his, you know, his core values and what he was taught you know, by his grandma. Coach Mack, Derrick Henry's been a beast for a really long time. That's impressive. And you know what, Coach Ramsey, uh, I know that he feels this way, but I'm just telling him as a former coach, you're really lucky when you get these guys come through. When you get these guys come through your program, you're very, very lucky because it's important. My first my first group that I coached when I went to the Chicago Bears were Mike Singletary, Otis Wilson, and Wilbur Marshall, the best uh, trio in the league. And so guess what? I became a great coach overnight, a great coach overnight. And so <laughs> any coach that has a special talent like this that you're able to work with, and plus, you know, the, the whole high school thing to me I absolutely love because that's the genesis of it. That's where it all started, and you're right. He has been the man wherever he's been. He was the man there. He was the man at Alabama, and he's the man here now in Nashville. It is crazy how having some of those just rock star one-in-a-million talents can really put a coach on the map. Well, that's – It look, really makes you really smart. <laughs> no, no, you're the best coach that you are in your career is when you have the best players. Really simple. Yeah. I mean, that's a good equation. So speaking of best players, some of the best players in healthcare, Farm Bureau Health Plans. Don't get sacked by the high cost of healthcare. Make Farm Bureau Health Plans your first line of protection. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. Coach Mack, I have an exciting announcement. Let's go. We are on the gram. You are a well-rounded man, a renaissance man, I was told earlier in this show. By me. Yeah, by you. <laughs> and so we decided... To be on social media. I decided for us, you were not involved, but we're in, Mac. How do you feel? 
I feel fine. You're just like me making decisions for Squid for you. Mm-hmm. Then you're making decisions for me. So fine. This is good. This is a well balanced partnership we've got going on so far. But in all seriousness, we are on Instagram. That is going to be a place where you can see some behind the scenes stuff of us. Mac and I are all over the world. We're traveling. We're doing football things. You know the Coach Mac and. Amy Wells show. We've got a lot of stuff that we do from time to time. So there will be access to all of that stuff. And of course, we're going to be talking about the podcast. We're going to be promoting our new episodes, of course. And so we want to be able to interact with you. We want to engage. We want to hear what you have to say. We want to be able to hang out with you a little bit more. So Instagram felt like a good venue to do that. And frankly, it's the only form of social media I know how to use. So that's what we went with. Perfect. Yeah. So here's the thing. We have these bobbleheads, Mac. Outstanding bobbleheads. Farm Bureau gave us some bobbleheads, and it has been, I mean, just the most hilarious thing. And you've seen the pictures, of course, because that is the logo for our show. But those are real live things. These bobbleheads do exist. I've got one in my hot little hand right now. And wow, is it terrifying to see a bobblehead of yourself. It just really is jarring. They, they, they did a promotion with the, the bobblehead Coach Mac earlier last season. It was a big hit. These are cultural phenomenons. So it's, it, it's very nice. So here's what you can do. If you would like to win the set, that is one Coach Mac and one Titans Amy bobblehead, we'll send you both of them. All you have to do is follow us on Instagram. That's important. You have to follow at titans amy and mac that is the handle at titans amy and mac follow us on instagram and then comment on this episode's post this is episode three be sure to comment on this post and include the code word if you include the code word i'll know you're legit and you will be entered to win this bobblehead but you have to do both you have to follow on instagram and you also have to comment on episode three's post and include the code word. And the code word is? Bobble. Bobble. As in bobblehead. So there you go. This is going to be great. I'm so excited to see everybody, to get everybody engaged. Really, I just want to be able to talk to everybody. That's that's the whole point here. This is what we want to do. And be able to have a place where we can continue to have conversations. And we know what you guys are talking about. It's, it's a whole thing. But I'm so fired up about it. So head over to Instagram at Titans Amy, A-M-I-E, Titans Amy and Mac. Head on over there, follow us on Instagram, and also comment on episode three's post, code word, Bobble. I like it. Yeah, it seems kind of cool, right? Yep, top there's, secret. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff involved, but I want to make sure you're legit. There you go. Don't be lame. Follow us. Anything else to add, Mac? No, I think we've covered it pretty good this week. We've, we'll have plenty more. <laughs> we've covered a lot of ground yeah, we today. Yeah, got, we've got plenty more. We went all the way from Squid Game to Bobbleheads, and that's a pretty large area to cover. It's a big swing, and the Tennessee Titans take on the Jacksonville Jaguars this Sunday in Jacksonville. Kickoff for that game is at noon. Titans Radio starts at 11 o'clock with an awesome pregame show. You're there. I'm there. Brett Bryan is also there. So be sure to check us out on Titans Radio. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be so much fun. So for Amy Wells and Coach Mack, thank you for listening to the Titans Amy and Coach Mack podcast. We'll see you soon. See you soon.